What's that? You hear that? It's a new episode of Let's Talk About Sonic, where we only talk about Sonic all the time forever. My name is Mitt, and I'm here with my friend Krep. Hi, I'm Krep. Uh, today is the day that we finally talk about the old games made by old people for old people. I'm talking oh, yeah, about the finally. Genesis games. <laughs> yeah, it took us it took us so long, a whole a whole five episodes to to make our way here to the to the other games that people care about. Yeah. And and we're gonna we're gonna get to them. Uh, today we are, we're gonna be covering a lot of ground. Um, it took us three episodes to cover <laughs> all of Sonic Adventure 2. It's gonna take us one episode to cover not just Sonic 1, not just Sonic 2, but Sonic CD. And that is not the timeline order. And that's all I'm going to say on the subject. <laughs> it's going to take us less than one episode to cover Sonic 1, which is funny because it takes uh, a whole game to, to beat Sonic 1. It is one game. Yeah, it is one game. And that's pretty cool of it to, to be that. Um, it does Who have... says things like that? The thing that I just said. Who says things like that? Me, apparently. Well, we, apparently. Sonic, Sonic yeah, 1 us. is a game. It has six whole zones, right? That's six? Yes. Okay, six. cool. Yes. It has six. Um, it's a cool little game. Yuji Naka, one day he woke up and he was like, man... I'm I I've played Super Mario Brothers 1-1 so many times. I'm just going to make a game where you do that but like fast. And then Sonic was born from the aether. So there was this one one time that Yuji Naka gave a gave an interview um for for the purposes of uh, this this brief like Sonic the Hedgehog celebratory thing uh semi documentary of the series at the time talking about like his design philosophy going into Sonic 1. I don't have uh, the whole thing in front of me. No, I'm kidding. I actually do uh, have the whole quote. Um, and he's, he's, he made a point to mention how at the time of Sonic 1's development, uh, starting in 1990, uh, platformers that came before uh, didn't have backups or saves for the most part. Uh, so you would play them from the start and every time that you started playing them, just period, or anytime you got a game over and it was like, but I want to keep playing. So you start from the beginning and you get really skilled at the start of it. Uh, and Super Mario Brothers 1 is a, is, a, is a touchstone for that, despite applying to a lot of platformers of the era. And um, it, it, it does interesting things, but to say the least. It is probably the only Sonic game that is just like a raw kind of 2D platformer in the sense that it doesn't necessarily have a lot of things that are particularly Sonic-y about it. That didn't really start happening until 2 is is when that kind of design mainstay came about. Right. But um, that doesn't mean Sonic 1 is bad, by any means. Um, a lot of people will dig at Sonic 1, especially like more casual fans will say, oh, Sonic 1 doesn't have the spin dash, it's not as fun to play. But like it's also built without the spin dash, so, you know... Right, push and pull, I guess. It it has its own sense of of gameplay flow. Yeah, uh, I quite like it. I used to not like it so much, but uh, in the time in in uh, 2018, 2019, no, uh, 2019 to, to 2020, uh, when I started doing my own solo let's plays of the Genesis Sonic games, I started to realize Sonic One's actually pretty fun if you just kind of meet it on its own terms. I the the most that I've I've spent playing it has been in the mobile port just kind of 
mindlessly playing that in my spare time. Which, um, you know, it's not like me seriously sitting down and playing Sonic 1. Um, but it's not a bad time. I think a lot of what kind of... I don't know. For me personally, there's not a lot that really draws me to replaying Sonic 1, but there's not really a lot I can say about a lot of um, like Sonic 1 and 2 and kind of CD that really pull me in in that way and make me want to go back to it. I'm not averse to, to going back and playing it, I think is what I'm I'm trying to get at. It's just not there's there's nothing in it that necessarily compels me to to want to go back. I'm not I'm not as used to playing it as you are where I can just like sit and play it in a sitting. Yeah, and and I can do that. But I I also don't tend to come back to them that much either unless like there's a specific reason I'm coming back to them or there's like a a new gimmicky way to play them whether that's someone's goofy rom hack or Alistair Eichson's magic box that sort of thing. Yeah, you have definitely been playing Magic Box a lot, so I think that's probably um, coloring my memory a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was I was able to pop in Sonic 1 real easy just in, in sitting down warming up for this recording. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a single game over, and I just went back to level select and started right back where I was and had no further issues. It's, it's kind of a breezy game. I think Sonic 2 also is, but... Not as much toward the end. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. Um, something I thought when I was playing Sonic CD that came to mind. Uh, I I played Sonic CD before recording. While well, you played Sonic One, and um, something that came to mind was that Sonic One has a few moments in its level design where it gets very claustrophobic, which doesn't really happen in a lot of other Sonic games. Um, and that is obviously most apparent in like Marble and Labyrinth, and kind of not really ever again. But um, I do think that those zones are definitely the biggest turnoffs for a lot of people because they are designed to be like pace breaker zones because when they were developing the game, they thought that that would be necessary given the speed. Yeah, they were as... they were really scared that like the things that made Sonic Sonic were going to be uh, too much for people for a whole game. Yep. And it, it turns out um, when you're on a roller coaster, you just kind of want to stay on it. <laughs> yeah the moment you get off is like when you realize you've been on a roller coaster and you're like ready to do anything else yeah that's adrenaline baby yeah it's also um, a good idea not to run out of adrenaline yeah that's true um i still don't think they were in danger of doing that going back and playing sonic one though yeah yeah like yeah, even like the the fastest zones in Sonic One are definitely not anywhere near as as crazy as anything in Sonic Two. Basically, even like Stardust Speedway, yeah, um, or some other zones in CD. I mean, it was it was Sonic Two and Sonic CD that kind of collectively introduced the speed booster to Sonic gameplay. Yeah, true. There isn't really anything like that in Sonic One. The closest it gets, and it doesn't even work that way is um either horizontal springs or uh the fans in starlight that's kind of it's kind of it oh yeah that's true i there's also just a lot of a lot more like stop and go kind of mario-y platformy stuff in sonic one in general mm. um spring yard zone comes to mind uh, maybe like a couple of things in starlight 
Maybe. I would say parts of Scrap Brain too, like the parts where they yeah, actually definitely. want you to platform. I I think part of like part of the evolution of Sonic on the Genesis is them realizing like, okay, we can't just kind of use conventional platforming level design for a skill set like this. So they kind of gradually started branching out into more broad level design that also accommodates for like just higher speed. Um, Sonic 1 also having a really egregious speed cap also doesn't help. <laughs> right, right. Like it, you can go fast, but as soon as you touch the ground or as soon as you press left or right in the air, basically if you press left or right at all, um, it, it just it's just gone. Sonic 2 did the right thing by disabling it on the ground, but they didn't disable it in the air yet. That didn't come till Sonic 3. Which is weird to think about. Yeah. It's Sonic 2, the Super Smash Brothers brawl of Sonic. Oh boy. Okay, now that's not fair. But it it definitely um especially cuz brawl was like backwards to it was, it was going uh in reverse relative to to melee. Um, but, but still funny, like, there is a, there is a comparable feeling sometimes, sometimes to, uh, controlling Sonic in Sonic 1 or 2, sorry, just 2, um, and, like, the way Sonic controls in, in all the Smash games where it moves real fast on the ground and then you jump and it's just, uh, it's just 60 to 30 for some reason. Yeah. I, I, I caught that fastball as soon as you said it, like... <laughs> That, no, that I is know. definitely I like a palpable stumbled. feeling. I super stumble over myself trying to get to the point where I explained it to our, our audience, the people listening. True. Uh, it's, it's a weird one. There's a lot of little control quirks in the original Genesis games that got slowly, gradually ironed out. Mm -hmm. uh, a fun one that I love to, to talk about is the, uh, the roll jump control lock in Sonic 1, 2, and 3, but not CD. Huh. Uh, anytime that you roll and then jump, you cannot influence your your horizontal movement by pressing left or right in the air, unless it's Sonic CD, in which case you can. Um, also, Sonic Mania, which I, I think is just a result of the dev team liking Sonic CD and how it controlled and how it was designed. Uh, yeah. In Sonic 3, if you use Sonic's Insta Shield, so this only works for Sonic and not Tails and Knuckles, but you can just use their other air abilities to do other stuff. Uh, if you use the Insta Shield as Sonic, then suddenly the uh, the left and right control lock disappears from your roll jump so hmm. it's weird i can't tell how intentional that was but people do like it in that game i think it would just be, just be better if the if the control lock was gone entirely yeah that's i'm surprised that people like it because hmm. i'm trying to think of what the justification would be behind hmm. that because it's, it's just it actively takes away control from you my insight on it is absolutely derived from sonic retro types so uh, and i don't even like using this word it's kind of, it's weird word i didn't know about for like a long time uh but but kind of the, the grognard kind of people in the sonic fandom um mm. who like try to justify anything that aligns with the game they like uh so a lot of people will say they like the control lock when you do a roll jump because it disincentivizes uh, rolling as a catch-all answer to every situation. And, like, I get it, but it's already not a catch-all uh, solution to every situation, so... It's also like, what, less fun. 
It is less fun. Bar none, it's less fun. Yeah, I I guess now's a good time for me to I was I was thinking earlier about um difficulty in 2D Sonic games and how mm. um I feel like there's a weird relationship with with Sonic and difficulty that a lot of people can can sometimes have. Not that like people wanting difficult Sonic games is not a weird thing. Um but it's mostly just like when people bring up stuff like um a given like Genesis game is too easy or like Mania is too easy. Um I think back to when the game kind of first came out and everyone, even like the most hardcore Sonic fans, got tripped up on the same couple of zones, like um especially Flying Battery is a big one. Yeah. Um I remember because the the mechanics were not entirely clear at first, um, that Mirage Saloon Act One was a little funky because I wasn't sure how you were supposed to jump onto the train. Um, but that's probably oh. mostly me. Um, Oil Ocean, though that's mostly the boss. You know, stuff like that. Um, even Titanic Monarch is still a big tripping point in Mania. Um, but that that like persists because like we, as like we being the collective kind of insular like inner Sonic ring, uh, ring of of Sonic fans, <laughs> where like we we play these games religiously. We've gotten over that because we've played the game so many times but like people who are just now getting into mania now they're they're hitting those same road bumps the same way we did when the game came out totally um so i feel like a game being difficult is a a really weird thing to kind of quantify i don't know if i necessarily want a sonic game to be particularly difficult in general though because i feel Mm -hmm. like part of the part of the fun in Sonic is just the bliss of like blasting through everything. The challenge shouldn't be, Oh, the levels are genuinely hard to get through. The challenge (laughs) should be, Oh, the levels are hard to get through quickly and like efficiently. Mm -hmm. Like they present a a bunch of stumbling blocks and you have to get used to the language of, uh, of the levels trying to tell you, Hey, this thing will be coming up. Hey, you should expect something based on this sequence. You should, um, you should be, thinking that uh, you might want to react because you've been running for this long, uh, even if you don't see anything yet or feel anything coming. Um, yeah. And that's more of the, the the fluidity of Sonic level design, rather than it just being, like, the easiest thing to just jump into and do first try. Yeah. But still, like, they're all built on accessible gameplay anyway, because the games rarely punish you strongly like water levels being kind of an exception to that. But if you take your time in in labyrinth zone and aquatic ruin and tidal tempest, they don't bite. Yeah. I think that's the big thing is that like a Sonic game that takes your speed away from you is less enjoyable. And I think that's why a lot of, um, a lot of water levels are hard to to get through even mm. for like experienced sonic fans um that's why chemical plant zone is is such a noob killer yeah. that level is a, a brick wall for anyone getting into sonic 2 for the first time um and that's entirely because of the water which that would lead my brain to go to the logical thought conclusion which is that sonic in water is a no no like water as is in Sonic games is not fun and thus should not be used. But 
there's probably a more an actual like solution like a more elegant actual solution to that than just getting rid of it yeah um but there is definitely a a, a conversation to be had about like the best water levels in sonic and usually hydro city is somewhere high on that list and uh. hydro city is one of the levels where you are going through the water very fast you spend very little time in the water in a way that it can actually impede you yeah so like if if the water being there is that negligible it's a wonder why it's there to begin with and at that point it's also a wonder why people rank it so high as a water level specifically mm-hmm I'd like to go more in depth on that at a time that we come and come around and talk about Sonic 3 specifically. I was yeah. going to mention that of the water levels in Sonic 1, 2, and CD, I feel like Tidal Tempest kind of comes out on top, not because it's particularly well-designed as a level, but because out of those three levels, um, Labyrinth, Aquatic Ruin, and, uh, and Tidal Tempest, but you kind of include Chemical Plant as well, it... Yeah it throws the least at the player while putting them in water. And a lot of its obstacles are fairly slow when you're in the water, so you have more time to react. Um, it, it's just a much more openly designed level. It doesn't feel as cramped whenever you're underwater anyway. I think yeah. that makes it, like, maybe still not the most fun, but definitely the least, like, mean to the player. Yeah, I, I guess that's a good way to segue into CD in general, because um, I, I was just thinking Tidal Tempest is very compartmentalized, where yeah. it, it has a lot of areas that are like medium to big sized that are connected through very small tunnels. But each of, of the underwater challenges are very like, you could quickly go in between them and they're, they're usually very, um, they're usually very generous with air pockets and stuff. Um, I will say that the most genius addition to Sonic is the bubble shield. I, I guess yeah. we're just talking about water levels in general now. But that <laughs> that solves the biggest two issues with what Sonic underwater. Um, and it's kind of why I think a lot of the mobile ports for the games that don't have the, the elemental shields kind of shine just by virtue of having them because they're so interesting. But I don't want to spend this whole episode talking about Sonic 3 when we're not talking about Sonic 3. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Tidal Tempest is Tidal Tempest is okay. I think out of out of the lot that we have to discuss today, it's probably yeah, it's probably the best one. It it kind of gets bolstered by its visuals, also. It's visuals yeah. and uh, overall aesthetics. Aesthetics is what I wanted to say. It's visuals and it's music. Yeah, that's a lot of zones in CD though. CD is a gorgeous game. CD is a very interesting game. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about its its visuals and aesthetic being very like crazy, and I think in a similar way to Knuckles Chaotix. But it's like I've always liked them. I think the only time it gets particularly noisy is like Stardust Speedway, in which that's basically the point. Yeah, pretty much. Just to make it confusing, what the most obvious path ahead of you is. Yeah. Uh, Sonic CD is probably the first game where they really hone in on the exploration element of 2D Sonic, mm. which got refined a little more later in the series. But in terms of their first go, it's an interesting kind of follow-up. It's an interesting thought progression from Sonic 1. 
Um, yeah, there's a funny thing with Sonic 1 where, like, it... All of the sequels to Sonic 1 emphasize, like, different elements of it, but it's not, like, the different elements that, that end up being, like, focal points of the design of later games were ever that prominent in Sonic 1 to begin with. Yeah. Like, like exploration is a part of the level design in Sonic 1 sometimes. Uh, it's mostly a thing in, like, Green Hill Zone where you can find some goodies if you if you go the right way, if you go off the beaten path in certain specific places. But mostly the level design in Sonic 1, if it branches off at all, um, is just different ways to get through the level. Yeah. Which Sonic 2 does as well. Um, it's more like, it's like you said, uh, exploration really kicks off in Sonic CD. Because mm. it, it still has branching level design where there's a lot of different equally valid paths to get from one end of the level to the other but there's more to see along the way that makes yeah. one path worth taking over another path which doesn't feel as emphasized uh, emphasized in sonic 2 outside of like what sort of obstacles you'll run into rather than what sorts of uh what sorts of set pieces and goodies you'll find and of course sonic cd has uh, the couple of things you can bust up in the past that you're on the lookout for, which incentivizes picking certain paths over others. And then reaching back to Sonic 1 again, uh, it's a similar thing to Sonic 2, where it's just it just depends on what kinds of obstacles you run into. But it still doesn't branch off as, as much as Sonic 2 does most of the time. You'll get levels like Scrap Brain, where there's really only one way to progress. If you get dumped off, you just land at a lower route that only allows you to go backwards so that you can get back to the place you were trying to go to in the first place. Yeah. Are there many bottomless... Yes, there are bottomless pits. I remember because I fell in one twice. Um, only once in Sonic CD. Is it the one that I fell into through, uh, twice? <laughs> yes. That figures. It's at the very that... end of the game. Yeah. Um, bottomless pits are Sonic's kryptonite. And they got that in CD. They caught that fastball hard. Like, that was coming at them like a truck. Okay. And I'm glad that they figured it out fast. Um, if you are making a huge multi-layered level where, like, you can actively go down and it means something, do not have bottomless pits. Ever. That is actively punishing your player for exploring, and Sonic CD got that. Except for at the end of the game. But I guess, like, the idea there is that it's very clearly... Um, meant to be a more treacherous platforming mini segment so it's it makes more sense as a punishment it's just a very harsh one um yeah sonic it, one it... does have bottomless pits but you're not going as fast so i guess it's not as big a deal it's still bad yeah it hmm. i i would say like sonic one telegraphs well when it wants you to go down mm-hmm I don't know if it necessarily telegraphs well when it doesn't want you to go down uh, because there's yeah. a lot of times in like spring yard where it's very safe to jump down from somewhere. Uh, even if there's like no indication you'll there'll be anything beneath you. It's really yeah. only in like spring yard and. Uh, sorry, not spring yard, starlight, starlight and parts of, of scrap brain. Um, where like there's zero indication that there will be zero, that there will be no ground when you jump down. Yeah. Is there is that long bottomless pit at the end of Spring Yard Act 3, but eh. 
you 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 fall from that once you learn. It's kind of the same thing as as Metallic Madness Act Three. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's still it's still better than in parts of Starlight Zone where you can fall down from one section, die, and then be like, okay, there's a bombless pit down there, and then fall down from a different section and die, and like not understand really the relation vertically between those two parts. I I can't help but feel like Bottomless Pits and Sonic is very thoughtless design because it, it just goes against everything. It goes against the rings, just having rings, period. Oh, yeah. The entire point of rings is to cushion um, any incoming damage you take because you're going so fast. So much of Sonic's core just kind of gameplay loop is built around cushioning going fast, which is very smart of them, like down to the way you jump into things. Right. And, um, and giving a, you the the burst attack option of rolling, yeah, exactly. There's a there's a very special kind of harmony to it all, and it, it it helps that it's very fun to play around with too. And speaking, I guess generally, it does feel weird when one or several of those mechanics are taken away in other Sonic games or otherwise. Um, it is kind of why in 3D rings are kind of weird. Hmm. Because just the idea of ring scattering makes more sense in 2D than it does in 3D. Because you either got to make them not move to the point of basically not mattering. Or they 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 fly around so much that like they're way too difficult to collect at that point. So you just move on. Yeah, it, it's no wonder that they experimented for a period with Unleashed of not having Sonic drop all of them. Yeah. I don't remember if I ever mentioned it on the show, but I, I've like thought about turning rings to gray life, basically. Huh. Where if if Sonic's rings were a life bar, basically, like in a fighting game, whenever he gets hit, his entire health bar turns into gray life. <laughs> Instead of dropping rings, what will happen is the longer he spends not getting hurt, that health bar will slowly refill, like gray life it'll turn back into just regular health um but obviously if he gets hurts again hurt again then that all goes away hmm that's really interesting that's a very different way to uh to cushion getting hurt but also <laughs> but also incentivize not getting hurt often hmm. yeah and then maybe collecting the rings themselves because it, it makes it a little unclear what the rings would do in regards to your health bar. So maybe having more would um would make it take longer to recover. Collecting rings makes it recover faster or something. Like you collecting rings gives you more health, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. It's 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 a thought process for another time, I guess. But thought totally, but it's an interesting seed of something. Yeah. Um to get back to CD, though, that is the first game to introduce Metal Sonic, and he's a cool little guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of <laughs> interesting parallels between Sonic 2 and CD relative to Sonic 1 as, like, parallel parallel branching sequel development projects. Yeah. I've probably mentioned this before. No, I don't think I've mentioned this before. I've done LPs about, this game, about these games. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, but... But, you know, uh, the the kind of core team of Sonic 1 um, 
from a from a design and development standpoint was uh, Hirokazu Yasuhara, Naoto Oshima, and Yuji Naka. Um, Yasuhara as um, as director and producer, uh, Oshima as designer, uh, artist, and Naka as programmer. Um, and when when most of the Sonic 1 development team peeled off to go to America for Sonic 2 uh, to join with artists and programmers at Sega of America and form uh, Sega Technical Institute, uh, Naoto Oshima stayed behind, so it was just Yasuhara and Naka. Um, and Oshima spearheaded Sonic CD. So it's like these two different interpretations of what a sequel to Sonic 1 would be by two different teams working off the the vision of different members of the original team. And that resulted in a lot of like interesting parallels, like both games introducing new characters to the series that are long-standing, uh, long-standing members of the the cast. Uh, both games introducing they both expanded on Sonic gameplay mechanics in a different way. Yeah, and they both like branched off of of different ideas of what Sonic gameplay can be. Period. Uh, they both also have Metal Sonics, uh, which is funny. True. Both games were also going to have time travel. Only Sonic CD ended up actually having time travel, and it did it so like mechanically and thematically. Sonic Two was going to just have time travel as like a a setting and game progression thing more than anything else, uh, and that dropped yeah. it. Yeah. There, you can actually see a remnant of it um, in the final game because uh, at one point in development, Metropolis Zone was supposed to be, um, you know, like a big forest called Wood Zone. Yeah. And like you can kind of see that in the final game, Metropolis Zone is actually Eggman's Bitcoin factory. So, you know, he's like destroying a whole forest to, to get to that point. So it's right, kind of exactly. cool that, that that held up in the final game. It, it's super immoral of him to be doing that also, but like that's nothing new. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It it's a good thing like we know that. Otherwise, it would just be super weird what Metropolis Zone was even for. It's like it would just not like if you look at Metropolis Zone, it could be anything. Yeah, it, it could be anything. It's like you're inside just like a big machine that does something, but it is it is a little hmm, something about it does feel like it it's like a logging facility for some reason. I don't know why. It's probably just thought soup. <laughs> because of wood zone so i mean i kind of agree with you i feel like also it, uh, part of it is the green color palette for some reason yeah like the green and orange yeah it it is weird though right because like all metropolis zones gimmicks are are lava and uh okay, corkscrews and bolts yeah there's lava in metropolis zone and it has um got like extending platforms it's got um what do you call those? It's got like mesh cylinders that you that you run around in. And what was the oh yeah, it's got crushers. Like like pressers. Mm. Um and like springs on the walls. It's super weird. It doesn't even have saws anywhere in it. Yeah. That would be like the telltale thing of like, oh, it's a logging facility if it having saws, but but no, we, we leave that to uh to metallic mass and scrap brain. Those are the places that have saw blades. Well, at least I mean, you know, because it's the it's the Bitcoin mine, so I guess it makes sense why I wouldn't have saws. 
Right, yeah, it has it has the lava because that's where they're throwing all the graphics cards. <laughs> that's what the graphics cards are outputting for, from yeah. all the power. Oh my god. It's the heat. Yeah, it's the heat. It's 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 literally all the molten metal. Disclaimer. The two of us 100% completely understand how Bitcoin mining works. Don't ask us anything. Also, don't don't do Bitcoin things. Please don't do Bitcoin things. Let's talk about Sonic officially does not endorse anything related to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Let's, let's talk about Sonic has taken a staunch anti-Bitcoin stance. Yeah. Uh, read, read all about us in the New York Times article where they interview us about our anti-Bitcoin statements. Yeah, through our, through our Eggman Bitcoin mine joke tangent. This started because we called Scrap Brain the Bitcoin mine, and then I was like, actually, I think it's Metropolis, and it was like, yes, you're right. And and then we had the whole tangent, and then we started recording, and now we're having the tangent again. Yeah, this is the payoff to the bit. You guys don't even get the start of the, 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 <laughs> the setup. You just get the punchline. <laughs> Back us on Patreon for the setup. No, I can't, that's not true. We didn't record it's it. It's literally so not even recorded. <laughs> Oh my god. Mitt, I know you like Metal Sonic. I do. You um, like Metal Sonic. I do like him. He's interesting. I can't pinpoint why I like him the most in CD other than that he has the best proportions. Yeah. Um, he really doesn't look the same as he does in any other appearance besides like in CD, especially in the art. Um, I think, thinking about it, it's because he was just designed like a badnik. He looks basically the same as all the other badniks in that game but mm -hmm. his proportions are very like sleek they look right i hate the new um like the modern classic metal sonic where he's got the big fat head that looks dumb yeah. i hate that it's so um, weird like they they feel like they need to um to reapproach the design to make it like seem more in line with how they were modeling classic sonic from generations onward it's strange yeah i think that modern metal sonic is also neat but he's a very different kind of of neat to, to Metal Sonic and Sonic CD, as well as all the old Badniks. Um, just speaking on the designs of the Badniks from the older games in general, there's a very, like... They're very simple, but they don't feel like toys. Because Sonic Lost World went overboard and made them look too much like toys. But something about how they look in, in, in the old games doesn't look necessarily mechanical, and I do feel like a little bit of the Badnik aesthetic is lost when they kind of pull it into the more mechanical aspect. That's why I'm not really that big on the Sonic Generations ones. Um, or the Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations ones. But the Sonic 4 ones are interesting because they do feel a little bit more like um, what I think is an accurate, a faithful um, hmm. like recreation of the Badniks in more modern level of detail. But something about how they looked before especially in in three where they just have like the dead googly eyes there's really something to them and i wish i could pinpoint it but i genuinely just cannot this is one of the several sonic design things that have evaded me for years but uh cd and two both had their own metal sonics and um here is where i say um i'm bringing in the dirty laundry that Sonic CD came after Sonic 1. Sonic Metal Sonic is the first iteration of a robot Sonic. And um, 
because he is a badnik. That is why he failed. He's just a badnik. <laughs> and then in Sonic 2, Eggman was like, well, that didn't work. I guess I just can't do pure speed. And then he just made a big boy. Made a big, chunky guy. And yeah. he was just... Ugh. I've got a funny pitch for you that like compounds yeah. on that. Because uh, cause this whole thing about... Um... The Metal Sonics confirming where Sonic CD happens in the timeline, which is is the reason this is dirty laundry. Uh, mm. I this whole thing like falls apart uh, just based on Mitt's uh, Mitt's perspective on it that they just said. But like, I think it's uh, I think that perspective is even further strengthened by viewing it as. Sonic 1, Sonic CD, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, and Knuckles. Knuckles Chaotix, where Metal Sonic is there again? Huh. Wonder why. Um, Because I think some people might view that as, oh, that's more evidence that CD came after uh, after Sonic 3 and Knuckles, right? Is that the next game, Knuckles Chaotix, which this doesn't make any sense, uh, also has Metal Sonic in it. Um. He he repaired him. Like, why would he repair him? Yeah, why would he repair him that fast? Yeah, like, right. I I understand and agree with the idea that Metal Sonic is the most advanced um, iteration of that. But I think there's a lot you could you could take away from that um, and kind of look at it in different ways, because depending on how you want to interpret Metal Sonic and how much autonomy you want to give him, um, Eggman could easily see a lot of what happened with the first iteration of metal sonic as a flaw like if mm -hmm. he did have the autonomy the autonomy that the the ova kind of messed um not messed around with but like toyed with like that that they looked at he would say yeah. well i'm not doing that again that clearly did not work yeah right. um but also like his focus on pure speed gave him a big edge but he still didn't win and it made him very frail he literally ran into a wall and exploded so if you were Eggman and you saw that, you would say, okay, well, I guess I gotta make him bulkier. So he overcorrected, and then he made Sonic 2 Metal Sonic. And we all know how that went. Yeah. So then and... after that, he makes the one in Sonic and Knuckles, or Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And that is clearly a mix of the two. Um, right. But it's still very... Well, no, he does have some autonomy, because the end of Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is an interesting one. It kind of throws a wrench in um, in how we think about these characters. That's true. Uh, but but just like the reason I brought up Chaotix at all was was that like viewing it Sonic One CD Two Three Knuckles uh, Chaotix does this neat thing where um, it it it, it could be read as illustrating Eggman coming back to the original idea of Metal Sonic and doing mm -hmm. that design a second time. Um, at least that's how I like to view it. Yeah, it, it makes sense for him to do that, especially with, like, the whole, uh, is he just called Metallics in that game? No, right? Mm-mm. That was, um, that was a whole thing from either Archie Sonic or Sonic the Comic or both. Yeah, I think it's uh, Fleetway. Yeah, uh, in Chaotix, uh, he's called Metal Sonic Kai, mm -hmm. which, okay. which just means Metal Sonic Reborn, right. Redone, or Redux, or anything. Yeah, it, it feels weird, like... I am positive that the retort is that Knuckles Chaotix is not in canon, but like, huh. come on. Yeah, uh, sure. I 
this wouldn't even be an argument if if Sonic Four didn't come and be weird. But I'm also this is my important thing. If we're giving Sonic Four credit, we're really are we really going to also that we have to then give them the the whole Knuckles campaign and Sonic Three and Knuckles happen at the same time as Sonic's, which doesn't make sense. It's literally not how it happens. Yeah, it just doesn't work. You you can't give Sonic Four a foot because it's gonna take a mile. <laughs> anyway because Sonic 4 takes that mile because it never wanted to be in the position it was in to begin with anyway yep although if you do give it that mile Sonic 4 does make Sonic the fighters canon and you just have to deal with it yeah I mean here's, here's the real deal Sonic the fighters is canon regardless of Sonic 4 it's just Sonic 4 makes for a fun lead into it if we want yeah it is kind of funny how if we include Sonic 4 in the canon how many times Eggman just brings back Metal Sonic one after another. Like, yeah. Metal Sonic just keeps biting it, and Eggman's like, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> My sweet summer child. I'll make you a rocket this time. <laughs> okay, two comments. One I was going to say about modern Metal Sonic, the, the, um... The design in my head doesn't make as much sense anymore with the shorter spines for Metal Sonic's head as Sonic's design has changed over time. So I imagine if they'd uh, if they designed Metal Sonic uh, from whole cloth for the first time in, in say, 2007 or 2008 or something, uh, probably would have been closer to Rocket Metal Sonic's stupid spine length, uh, mm-hmm. if anything. The other thing I wanted to mention that was was in my brain while you were talking was uh yes sonic the fires is canon no having eight chaos emeralds does not mean it's not canon fangs is fake obviously true that makes a lot of sense sonic sonic adventure 2 makes that canon yeah um and then you might come back to me with well then why does the space shuttle need eight i don't know um tails sees that fang has a has an eighth emerald like a week before and it's like, oh, dang, I guess there's eight now. <laughs> what do you what do you think? That. <laughs> <laughs> we went from six to seven between Sonic one and Sonic two. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, hey, uh, the fact that we went from six to seven between Sonic one and two is also why Sonic CD comes after Sonic one, because Eggman tried having the six chaos emeralds noticed that they didn't work discovered yeah. the time stones that let him literally time travel <laughs> he's like oh my god this is awesome and then he still lost and then he discovered that there was a seventh chaos emerald and he was like oh that's the mistake i made time to rectify this yeah exactly and then in sonic 3 he's like wait there's a big one <laughs> well he's like wait there's a big one and there's seven more uh, well i'm not gonna worry about the seven more big ones I'll, I'll no, leave no. those here. Not the not the super emeralds. I mean, there's seven more chaos emeralds. Well, mm, I, okay. I, this is a big question because at the beginning, Knuckles literally takes them from Sonic. Like he has them from Sonic Two at the beginning of Sonic Three. Yeah. So how is there another set then? Are there actually I, another set? Yeah, I've always subscribed to the idea that that um, Knuckles did take them from you. And then didn't put them in the special stages. Hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Knuckles knows what those are. Hmm. 
That's an interesting okay, point. This is the reason I have this theory, um, or rather I've picked this theory up from other people. I had to think about it for a sec term by myself. It comes from the idea that uh, Eggman successfully tricked Knuckles into thinking that Sonic stole the Chaos Emeralds that were on the floating island. And then Knuckles punches him and gets his emeralds back. Oh. But they were always there to begin with. Okay. I mean, wasn't it also more that he, he tricked him by saying that, oh, Sonic's a bad guy. He's going to come and steal your Master Emerald. Could he already stole that. the emeralds um, from the mainland. Yeah, it's also possible. Anyway, we're, get, we're getting off on a tangent. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> this is a different kind of tangent where it's it's a podcast spoiler <laughs> i don't know we were getting so deep into it i was starting to think maybe we were, cr- we were scratching that episode idea off our list i i think there's there's still a lot to to talk about i mean i don't know <laughs> Let, let's get through let's get through these three and see what happens people are not going to mind if we retread ground i mean we're inevitably going to anyway yeah that's true Talk i about like that sonic, sonic one <laughs> I like Sonic CD a lot. It's probably my favorite of the of the four, of the five of the five Genesis Sonic games. I I look into the camera. I, I think <laughs> mine is three. Yeah, I think but, three's my second. Yeah, I I I had a pretty good time playing through CD, but I did notice that like as soon as I got all the time stones, which was very easy for me as someone who has done it a million times, um, Sonic CD is the the hold right to win Sonic game. Um, I I was doing that even in the last levels. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to hold that to it. Like it's, oh, it's a terrible game because you just hold right to win. It was hold right to win because I took the easy route. Sonic CD has an interesting thing where you could either choose to get the time stones through traditional Sonic 1 special stage means, or you could go back in time and play through every level the way that they kind of want you to and break the the robot generators and the metal sonic projectors and proceed that way in each individual act in which it's applicable um the level designs are way more built around like exploration and running around so it's very obvious that's what they want you to be doing but if you choose to not do that then you you just coast you just go in a straight line or you could be like me and get six time stones while destroying all the robot generators so, and get the last time zone in Metallic Madness 2 so you 200% the game. They do make you do that in the Steam version if you're going for all achievements. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, also, Mitt, do you think you have to destroy the Metal Sonic projectors to get the good ending? I know you don't, but you do oh, okay. have to, I think, for 200%. Huh. I don't remember. I don't know if I've bothered to get the achievement, because I just haven't played the Steam version much. Yeah, here it is. I, I had it on PS3. I guess I didn't have it on Steam, even though I thought I did. Mm. Um, destroy all the robot teleporters and Metal Sonic holograms in the past. So yeah, you gotta... Oh, okay. Doesn't even mention getting the time stones? Um, it's a separate separate thing, I guess. I could have swore there was one where you had to do everything. I would believe it. I, I think it's really funny that I did an entire playthrough of Sonic CD and I did not get the get a hug from Amy achievement. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> like, that... I, I'm assuming it's excluding the Stardust Speedway one. Yeah, but I didn't right. get the Stardust Speedway one, which makes it additionally yeah. funny. 
Yeah, Mint is something I didn't know you could do, and I wonder if it's exclusive to the port or if it's possible in the original Sega CD version too. Uh, if you hang out in the very left part of the room at the end of Stardust Speedway Act 3 where Amy's tied up and you bust her free and she hugs you and the act ends, uh, she doesn't come all the way up to you. So the act will eventually end with her, like, two feet away from you. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. I didn't know you could do that. Also, I think I was wrong. I'm pretty sure it has to get you something. But there, there are separate achievements for getting the um the time stones and getting all the robot teleporters and Metal Sonic stuff. Huh. So now I'm just I'm confused. I'm curious as to what you get for that because it's probably something. There's so much stuff you unlock in in the port that it's probably it's, it's got to be something. Is it doing the special? Does it unlock the special stages in Time Attack? Maybe. Maybe. Because I think they're unlockable. Huh. I mean, on that subject, uh, the Sonic CD 2011 remake, I'm calling it a port, but it's a remake, um, is not just the ideal way to play the game, it's also the easiest way to play the game. Yeah. They made it I... available on more platforms than they ended up making the Sonic 1 and 2 remakes from the same team. I, I wish it was on even more platforms. I have no idea why they didn't port, uh, port it forward onto yeah. PS4 and so on. Like, at least yeah. it's on Steam. Right, exactly. That's that's the easiest place to get it, aside from, like, on your phone or other mobile devices. Because the only consoles it was ever on were um, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Yeah. It wasn't even on the Wii or Wii U or anything. I I mean... The Wii is weird, um, especially when it comes to downloadable titles. But the Wii U, for some reason, that makes more sense. <laughs> Just because nothing was on the Wii U. Eh, yeah. The Wii U certainly was more of an indie showcase, at least. Yeah, so. they were trying to make up for lost time from hating indies on the Wii. <laughs> but yeah, the a lot of people know this story by now especially if you're listening to this podcast you almost certainly know about it but the sonic cd port was done by christian whitehead also known as the tax fan who had uh, a long history in the sonic fan game scene before uh attempting to branch off into professional game development getting picked up by sega and then doing the sonic cd remake um, mm -hmm. just based on a pitch that he made for for mobile devices and it certainly runs more consistently uh with with fewer physics bugs uh than the original sonic cd and it's in widescreen which is great yeah and then he went on to work with simon tomley also known as headcanon also known as stealth he still goes by stealth online in places uh to do the sonic one and two remakes and then that eventually led to sonic mania and blah 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 so how about that Sonic 2? I want to keep talking about Sonic CD. I really like Sonic CD's oh. music and visuals and stuff, and the level design, even though it has its problems, is still kind of fun to, to, to work through, especially if you approach it from an from, uh, exploration angle instead of uh, just getting the time stones and just going to the end and being done with it, because that's where the meat of the game is. It's just sitting around, not sitting around, it's just running around and looking for those machines in the past, looking for ways to get to the past that are that are efficient and and functional and 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 breaking stuff down and 
Okay, let's talk about Sonic 2. <laughs> uh, so, Sonic 2 is the, the polar opposite. It is the, <laughs> the antithesis. It is the... Um, what would you say is like the opposite to peanut butter? Like not jelly, right? I mean, they go together. <laughs> um, um, the the opposite to peanut butter. Yeah. Bread. No, it goes together. You could have just a, a peanut butter sandwich. Oh, so it's only it doesn't go with peanut butter. Yeah, I don't know. Um, salt. <laughs> it is. It is. There, it there's is salt the... in peanut butter. Okay, well then it's a bunch of rocks. It is a bunch of rocks compared to Sonic <laughs> CD. <laughs> it is the game that that uh, concurrently Sonic CD was like, what if we just made the levels really big? We had less of a focus on speed, and you explored. Sonic Two was like, you're gonna go really fast all the time, and that's gonna be cool. And this is what Sonic's gonna be from now on. You know what? That is what Sonic was from now on. Um, and God bless it for it. Um, Sonic 2 is like a rocky beach Well yeah that's where the rocks come from Yeah it's also got sand uh, Oh boy and, wa and, and water is there and the water's cold If you're if you're on the west coast like me Which which Sonic team was at the time Of Sonic 2's development so Yeah but because it's like a rock sandwich And the, rock, and the rocks came from that sandy beach There's still some sand on the rock So it kind of gets in your teeth and sometimes it gets kind of gritty But like you like the taste of rocks so much You just gotta power through the sand <laughs> You like the taste of rocks so much, you just gotta power through the sand. They can put that as the tagline for our podcast. Yeah, we're we're coming up with the new and original ideas on the spot. This is what uh, <laughs> improv is. This is uh, I, I. Sorry, I need to stop. Um, uh, no ending you and and get back to the to the yes, but I. <laughs> don't like playing Sonic 2 as much as I like playing Sonic CD or Sonic 1. And is it a similar boat? And that's kind of what we're trying to, to reach for here in in our elaborate bit describing the, the differences differences between them. Um, I would say that like both Sonic CD and Sonic 2 tried to go for, for bigger level design than Sonic 1, but in different ways, because we already mentioned Sonic CD is more exploration-focused, it's a lot more winding, or it allows for winding winding gameplay because <clears throat> even though even though the level design can be run through ran through run through very quickly ran ran through run through uh very quickly um it incentivizes through its its mechanics and gimmicks uh, a lot more uh winding play a lot more multi-directional play <clears throat> meanwhile site 2's level design is multi-directional in the sense that it will tell you to go this way and then tell you to go this way and then tell you to go that way. Uh, and then mm -hmm. you go this way and this way and that way and you uh, enjoy it? Question mark? You know, if, you, if you've done it a bunch of times. Funny, I don't know. I feel like I don't enjoy it because I've done it a bunch of times. Yeah, I realized as soon as I said that that it, it kind of felt like <laughs> me taking the piss out of Sonic game design, which is not my intention because I, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with the notion that Sonic game design is bad because you have to play it multiple times to get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's like Sonic 2 is more on the other end of the spectrum where it's easier to sit down and get it the first time. Yeah. And conversely, I try to play it again and again and again 
to uh to figure out how I feel on it, and as it turns out, what I feel on it is ambivalence. Yeah. <laughs> and it took a bunch of playthroughs to figure that out, even though it's uh it was true from from earlier on. Yeah. It's Sonic Two is the kind of game where it gets you several times. I think no matter what level of skill you're at. Sonic 2 will have something special and personalized to, to get on your nerves. Um, if you're new to it, 9 times out of 10, it's just Chemical Plant in its entirety. If you're not used to using the spin dash and, you know, getting out of water and going up ropes, uh, ropes ramps. Um, sometimes it's Mystic Cave, which is just kind of annoying, and it has the pit. Mm. Other times, it's just the whole end of the game. The entire like third of Sonic Two, and I think that last one is where we're at. That's absolutely where I'm at, and that's absolutely where you're at. It's like, oh, I feel like I have to break it down into its components. Right? Part of it is that I don't like how Oil Ocean looks. I don't like how Metropolis looks. I don't like how Wing Fortress looks. And those three levels sandwiched together is just a big part of the game that I don't really like looking at. And then after that, it's the level design of those three levels, but in different ways, right? And I kind of uh, bring Mystic Cave into this too a bit, because Mystic Cave has its own unique issue of being really, again, claustrophobic. Mm. We were talking about this more uh, in terms of Sonic 1, and only chunks of Sonic 1, and even fewer chunks of Sonic CD. But like the whole of, of Mystic Cave... It's just small room to small hallway to small room to small hallway to small curve to um, slightly bigger room where you can miss something really easily. So you have to stop and check yourself and grab the right thing to go to the small hallway to a small room. And then Oil yep. Ocean is big and open. And yet there's nothing to do but go from this exact platform to this exact platform to this oil slide to this cannon that shoots you up to here, to here, to here, to here, to here. And then suddenly you don't really know where you are anymore. You can still tell which direction is forward, but it just feels nebulous. And you just do then, things until you're at the end. Yeah, you just do things until you're at the end. And that that's an overarching problem I have with Sonic 2 in general. But then Metropolis comes along and it's it's such a do things until you're end, at the end level because it's it's just bombarding you with more and more things you don't want to do. Yeah. Enemies you don't want to run up to because they'll hit you first. Uh, enemies that force you to stop in your tracks uh, lest you get hit and get knocked off a platform to way further down to where you have to backtrack to come back to respawn platforms to go back up again. Uh, gimmicks that can only can only drop you off where you need to go next from one particular point. So if you exit them in any other way, uh, it sends you backward or forces you to repeat what you just did. Uh, it's such a bother of a zone. And that goes on for three acts, which everyone uh, harps on this one. And I mean, it's for good reason, but, but I won't dwell on it too long because everyone harps on it. It was a bad idea to have three acts of a zone in a game where every zone prior to that had been two acts, and this zone happened to be the most difficult one, so it felt like such a slap in the face that you have to do more of it. Mm -hmm. Everyone, everyone knows. 
Uh, and then Wing Fortress is just weird because it feels like the level design can be circumvented in ways that it doesn't account for. Like, I don't know how else to put it. A lot of Sonic level design, especially in 2, uh, allows you to go from, like, quote-unquote, layer to layer with some well-timed jumps. Um, and it feels like you accomplish something cool. But in Wing Fortress Zone, like, I can jump from this platform to this platform, and would you look at that? There's another couple platforms over that way, or I could just jump up on top of the ship and skip half of uh, that entire set piece. Was that intentional? Like, it's not even outside of my reach. It's a single jump. Not with yeah. a ramp, not with speed, it's just there. I can go through this wall for some reason. There's no indication that that's where I need to go next, but I can go there. I can go through this wall too. And it is the way to go. But how am I supposed to know that? Yeah, I, I do feel like whenever I'm playing through Wing Fortress, it's like, I... I have no idea if I'm going the right way. There's so many points where literally it's just one big borderline open world level where things are just placed seemingly sporadically. And like, if you screw up, you die because yeah. it's Wing Fortress. You're over a pit, but like, you're not going to know where to go. And yeah, you could just go past the propellers, which is kind of the right way. And then there's the, uh, the trifold problem for me at least which is that oil oceans music while nice and well composed gets grating metropolis zones music while nice and well composed and catchy gets grating uh and then wing fortress music uh is grating <laughs> i won't i won't uh gift it any other qualifiers yeah <sighs> it's just a slurry of stuff i don't want to do yeah, Wing Fortress also has the the added benefit of being a double whammy of being Sky Chase and then Wing Fortress, mm -hmm. everyone's favorite. Yeah, at least Sky Chase has nice music. Yep. And, <laughs> Adding on to the Wing Fortress pile, it also <laughs> has this this uh, speed boost launcher kind of thing. And because of Sonic 2's broken speed cap in the air, like we mentioned earlier, if you're holding left or right when that thing lets go of you. You don't go as far as you're supposed to, and you fall and die. Uh. You have to take your hand off the D-pad in order to make the jump. Intuitive. And in case it's not clear by now, we do in fact have beef with Sonic 2. <laughs> and it sucks, right? Because, like, I don't even think it's a bad game. And I don't want to sit here and rail on it as if I think it's a bad game that people shouldn't like or that I expressly don't like at all. I just don't like it as much as the other ones. And because I don't like it as much as the other ones, it's easier for me to uh, sit down and try to play it and mostly notice its flaws and not have as good a time. Yeah. I do think a lot of... like. Uh, the 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 entire ending half of the game is literally the game rearing its ugly head at you. It's like you had fun, that's over now. Yeah. I I, I cannot imagine having that much fun uh, with those levels unless you really have them memorized, like muscle memory memorized. Um, but even just playing the game casually, like this is the least fun game to get the Chaos Emeralds in. Oh, I would yeah. say unless, because like, I don't bother. Yeah, there is like a very specific appeal 
to getting them all in like Emerald Hill Act One. Like I get it. It's neat hmm. that you can do that. I would never do that ever in my life. I cannot <laughs> run around the same level seven times collecting fifty rings and and doing that every single time. It does not sound fun. They did it better in Sonic and Knuckles, where you can get all the emeralds in Mushroom Hill Act One and Two because there's enough special stage rings. Yeah, the the special stage rings are brilliant. I the idea of tying them to the checkpoints is interesting, but not if not if you're gonna make it fifty rings. Yeah, it's it's real strange. It also led to the strange level design quirk of them putting checkpoints in really weird places that are hard to access. Yeah. God, that's true. There's just checkpoint placements completely arbitrary of them being checkpoints just so you can use them at, as what is effectively big ring placement in the next game. Yeah. I always think to like Hilltop Zone where there's, and even Emerald Hill, but especially Hilltop Zone where there's multiple loops that, because Hilltop is the most linear level in the game, there's no point to get on top of them except for the fact that they place, they place checkpoints there. Yeah. Hmm. It's strange, and like the special stages, like you mentioned, they're just not fun. Also, they're not fun. Stop using the half pipe unless you're going to make it fun. But even then, stop <laughs> using it. Ugh. It's not helped that most people's experience with them for the first time will be with tails, but playing single player. Yeah. Um. Fun fact: Do not play Sonic Two with tails. There is virtually no benefit besides like sometimes you'll get an extra hit on bosses, which could throw you off more times than necessary. Right, if anything. Um, but if anything, the special stages get a little bit tougher because like, they're built to accommodate around Sonic and Tails both collecting rings together, but Tails, Tails is not reliable collecting rings. So like, if he has basically any amount, you can bet that he will lose them unless you are really good at guiding him separate mm -hmm. from you. Um, which basically then just means that you, as Sonic, alone, have to collect more rings, which is annoying. Yeah. Um, and Tails can't fly in this game yet. Tails is just Sonic. He has no functional ability to fly. There's one benefit to playing Tails alone. Yeah. He's actually shorter. Okay. Oh, well, that, all, then yeah, you can play Tails that they're alone. like places... Yeah, right. There's no play. Yeah, because we were talking about Sonic and Tails, but just talking about like, Tails' ability to fly or inability in Sonic Two, um, he he does still have the one thing, which is that there are places he won't get crushed where Sonic will. Yeah, which, which is funny. Which it does have its purposes of of being a little guy. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you just want to be a little guy. Yeah. I mean, why else would you play Charmy being Chaotix? Surely, there's no other reason. Yeah, there's absolutely no other reason. Would you say that, that Charmy is just a better Tails? <laughs> uh, I would say that Charmy is an all-too-powerful Tails. Okay. Th that makes sense. I'm not sure if it's better or not. Man, like... Have you have you played the uh, Charmy and Sonic 1 ROM hack? Uh, no, but I could imagine that it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously the level design isn't designed around a character who can fly over everything for free, but you can fly over everything for free. Uh, yeah. So almost nothing matters. Sonic um, 1, but it's Kirby. 
Yeah, it's like fast Kirby. Charmy is just fast Kirby, which kind of uh, kind of rules, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you would design a, a game uh, around that while being a platformer. <laughs> um, in, in theory, you could, I suppose. It, it would be a Sonic game if you had the tubes. That, but instead of them being automatic tubes, they are manual tubes, and the tubes are lined with spikes. Uh, that's so Kaizo. Yep. Uh, uh, don't don't play Kaizo Sonic ROM hacks. It's a bad idea, and nobody should have done it. True. I I, I feel like we're in a weird spot talking about Sonic too, because we like to to level. We had so we had a lot of momentum talking about Sonic One and Sonic CD. But with Sonic 2, I feel like we we just have so much like grief with it. It's it's, it's such a hard game to talk about. Yeah, it's all baggage. I think. Cause... Yeah, like I'm glad we're getting it out at least. Yeah, we're healing. <laughs> this this is healing. Yeah. This is this is the grieving process. I I know for sure. I know for sure that. Part of the reason that we feel the need to talk about Sonic 2 like this in a public context where it's our voices and we're where we're getting our feelings out is because because 90 people <laughs> 90 people because 90s kids uh 90 percent of people on the internet uh when talking about Sonic 2 are singing its praises uh talking about it as a massive improvement over Sonic 1 uh, only to be trumped by Sonic 3 and Knuckles, or sometimes not even that. Some people do believe that Sonic 2 is the best Genesis Sonic game, and I can't say that they're, like, wrong, because it's all subjective anyway. It's just that I feel so differently, and Mitt also feels so differently. Yeah. And it's just not a perspective talked about often in regards to the Genesis Sonic games, talking about where... Sonic 2 falters where Sonic 1 was fine. Yeah. It it's so weird. It's the the Sonic 2 reception is so weird. The commercial lied to you. It doesn't <laughs> actually do any of those things. I know they, it they bothers me. Yeah, it's don't even get me started. But the the one thing that it doesn't do the most is uh be accessible, honestly. Yeah. I think the Sonic One, I think, is more accessible, but you have to, you gotta, you kind of have to swallow your pride a little bit when you play it. You have to kind of get over yourself with the expectation that there's going to be a spin dash, and that the game isn't as fast as it could be. Mm. It is functional without it. It's fine. You don't need it. It was designed around it. Yeah, when you play with... Sonic One, you need to be ready to accept that you'll make mistakes relative to the level design. And have to build yourself back up again. Yeah, and and in Sonic One, it is admittedly that is probably the the steepest hill that you have to climb back up. Um, in Sonic Two, it feels like the game is always constantly waiting for you to screw up, and then it'll like wind you. It'll just suck you in the stomach like a bat. <laughs> like chemical plan is just the noob killer people don't get past that zone they don't see the zones that come after chemical plan because you're just throwing a very like complex mechanic at the players with their first time having the spin dash you learning like chemical plant becomes a non-issue 
if you're A, good at Sonic, and B, you know how to spin dash. Because if you're good at Sonic, you'll never go in the water, period. If you know how to use the spin dash, you won't stay in the water. Because the big part that everyone always gets stuck on is the big chasm with the moving blocks mm-hmm. that you got to platform up. That's hard platforming. It's annoying platforming because they can crush you if you're not careful. But before you go into there, there's the the curving ground that goes up and down. And you can spin dash off that slope up and out of the water and then on the other side of the moving platform thing. But you have to know how to do that. And the game, it's the second zone. You're not going to have enough time with the spin dash to know to do that. It's also reliant on understanding the physics of Sonic. Yeah. Because, like, I and a lot of people who have experience with the Genesis games understand the core concept that if you have speed and you go up an incline and you jump, that horizontal speed gets transferred a little bit into your vertical speed. And if you jump off of a decline with speed, you will go really fast off of it because uh, what would normally be vertical speed gets angled into horizontal speed. And that principle, combined with the floatiness of being underwater, is what allows you to make that big jump up to the top of that area from the bottom. If you don't understand that fundamental aspect of how Sonic gameplay works with the Genesis titles, it probably wouldn't even occur to you to think to do something like that. Yep. And the other thing I wanted to mention... Oh, sorry, now you go. Sonic 2 is the the final exam of 2D Sonic the Hedgehog, except instead of being like questions that kind of reflect the entire curriculum thus far, they're just all trick questions. I feel that because that that's exactly how I feel about like the final bosses. Yeah, exactly. You're not really trained for the kind of uh, for the kind of either memorize and. Uh, and act accordingly or react really well kind of gameplay that those bosses ask of you. Not from any of the other bosses in the game. I was just going to say, though, that the other thing about that chasm in Chemical Plant is that, yeah, that platforming is hard. uh, And it's hard also because of how being underwater affects your your momentum moving left and right when you're trying to do platforming like that. Hmm. I personally find it really fun uh, now that I actually have a grasp on how to move myself both in and out of water, but it took a while to get there. So it's, it's a fun out of like knowing I can handle a challenge and challenging myself. It's not fun because it's a good challenge from a design perspective for like where it is in the game yeah like chemical plant is such a weird zone why is it not at the end of the game you know what if it was hey everyone ready for crackpot theory time that i'm always ready for that i knew you would be so if you're a sonic super fan and you are you know that sonic one's level uh level order was different uh, earlier in, in its design process than in the final game. And this is reflected in the zone order that is shown when you pull up the level select in Sonic 1. It goes Green Hill, Labyrinth, mm, I believe Marble, and then Spring Yard, and then Starlight, and then uh, Scrap Brain. Yeah. I think that's the order. And 
uh, having having labyrinth that early would be nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, it it's kind of a roadblock for players even being the fourth zone. Um, but like they had this whole idea of the the fast zone and the pace breaker zone, like we mentioned earlier. But just the fact that they had a different zone order at one point, which pointed to this really clear progression of um perfect nature no no construction in sight to uh the peak of of man-made construction harming uh, harming the planet like going linearly from no civilization to a little bit of uh like signs of civilization but it's gone it's worn down um in labyrinth zone and marble zone to uh functional civilization and spring yard and starlight etc and then they changed that for difficulty curve reasons. I wonder if Chemical Plant might have actually just been a later zone at one point in development. They bumped it up because it's flashy and they wanted to make a good impression on on like uh, reviewers and and players, early adopters. Yeah. From like a from like a visual standpoint. I mean, also, the funny thing is that it doesn't really fit anywhere in the end of the game either yeah like if we sat down and we reshuffled all the sonic 2 zones so they did also follow the same theme as sonic 1 it being after casino night makes a lot more sense yeah i was just thinking that only really that and that's only really because of the the thematic through line of it being like oh there's a city at night in the background so in chemical plant that is casino night in the background you are in the, that yeah. city in Casino Night, and then it is in the background in Chemical Plant because you are going away from it. So, yeah, I'm not sure like what level would follow Chemical Plant. Like maybe Oil Ocean. Yeah, there's also that too because I would say like Metropolis because you're going into the factory, but then yeah, where's Oil Ocean? Well, even then, I just feel like there's something weird about Chemical Plant and Metropolis, mostly because. Metropolis doesn't feel right coming after anything, if I'm real. It just feels so disconnected from from any place because it's completely walled in the whole time. Man, that is another thing I don't like about Metropolis, is that it has no sense of space. Here's an idea. Oil Ocean comes before before Casino Night because it's at sunset. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. There's, There's a neat through line there, actually, of like... Uh oil ocean thematically being related to what funds casino night does that make sense yeah like it's a place where where oil is is being uh is being dug dug up and funneled siphoned uh and all the people who are making money off that go right to casino night yeah to have a good time that's more of the uh environmentalist anti-capitalist kind of sentiment though which Eh, I don't think Sonic Team was fully on that. Like they were, they were on the environmentalist message for sure. But I don't know about the the ANCAP one. Yeah, and then I could see the 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 through line being like, see, I don't know if I want Hilltop or Mystic Cave to come before that, then, because it just depends on how you want to spin it. Mm-hmm. Because you could easily just put Hilltop right after Emerald because they use the same level tiles and have that make sense. But right in the same way at Marble Zone has the same grass as Green Hill. Yeah, but I don't know. Mystic Cave is so weird because you're just underground. 
I know. I was just thinking about that. I don't know where I put Mystic Cave in all this. So what I'm what I'm envisioning right now is like Emerald Hill to Aquatic Ruin to Hilltop yeah. to um to Oil Ocean and then connecting to what we were already talking about. And like that doesn't leave any room for Mystic Cave. Yeah, I mean, if they made Mystic Cave a little less annoying, it could just be the second zone, and then you have like a kind of similar parallel to Sonic Two Master System. Yeah, right. Which is a, another whole thing. Yeah. Kind of pulling the curtain here. Uh, fun fact for folks: there was a brief period where we were considering um, having a string of Sonic Twos as as the opening to this this entire podcast series going from adventure 2 to um either sonic 2 uh, mega drive or sonic 2 master system or sonic advance 2 uh, obviously we ended up dropping that for for that kind of like direct sequence but um we would like to talk about the the master system and in game gear games at some point and there, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to to uh parallels between the Sonic 2 Master System version and the Mega Drive version of the game, despite the fact that they're very different. Mm-hmm. Just little little curiosities in terms of ways they might have been more similar before Sonic 2 Genesis finished development. Yes, I'm going yeah. to use Genesis and Mega Drive interchangeably and not say them together. Yes. <laughs> I, and, and there's also interesting stuff that we know now about um, Sonic 1 and its prototype period versus right. the... Uh, the handheld and master system version of that too brings the brings the idea closer together yeah anyway that i don't know if we have more to say on like rearranging the zones by by uh theme and setting and stuff but that was just something that kind of occurred to me i, I wonder how much that sort of happened in, in sonic 2's development we know that game had a real whirlwind development by how many concepts were left on the cutting room floor for it so mm-hmm. who's to say yeah i i feel like we've kind of I think we've made our points with with these. It's it does I feel a little bad about about <laughs> Sonic 2 because like it is such a big game and it did set up a lot of things but like you know what? I'm a staunch believer that Sonic 3 the real Sonic 2 after all. You know, Sonic 2 did give us the correct spin dash at least. It's got that going for it and nothing else. Tails is a is a polite little boy. Oh uh, well, okay. I okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm breaking the bit because my first immediate thought was to continue playing into it and say, "Oh yeah, you mean Tails, who was introduced in Sonic Three, because Sonic that's where 3. he first started flying." Yeah, but I I couldn't do it. All right. Yeah, fun fact, Tails does not actually appear in Sonic the Hedgehog 2 until the ending sequence, which was a setup for his introduction in Sonic 3 proper. Yeah, and if you don't get all the emeralds, um, then uh, there's a, a weird bad ending that makes it seem like he's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it, yeah. Right, yeah, the, the bad ending of Sonic 2. Yeah. We all know it. Man, this is all just super silly since, like, Tails' first actual appearance was Sonic 2 Master System, which is so weird to think about. Is is the idea that... What came first? What what comes first chronologically? Sonic 2 Genesis or Sonic 2 Master System? Uh, I think the assumption is Master System 
I think maybe actually I'm not sure, but I I think the they know each other assumption. Well, yeah. Hmm. I think the prevailing assumption is is that Sonic Two Master System came first because it's this rescue story for Tails that allows him to tag along with Sonic and Sonic Two Mega Drive. I don't know. But hmm, I don't think so. I think it, I think it has to. Hmm. I think it comes after, but like a nebulous amount of time after in a nebulous place. It's super also possible. Just because I, I think in the game it's it's fairly established that they do know each other by then. Especially with all the title cards. They are together in every single zone card. That's true. That is a good point. I think that just kind of falls then back into the camp of like the, the Master System slash Game Gear games can all happen kind of whenever. Yeah. This is also podcast spoiler, but like Mitt and I are both on on the wavelength that once Tails shows up in the Sonic series, he doesn't go away. Yeah. So like it just makes more sense for any games that don't have him in it to have happened before Sonic 2. Yeah. Because it just feels more right compared to like Metal Sonic and Amy, which go several games without appearing again. Yeah. I don't they know. They also both don't appear, don't reappear until the chaotix. Oh, that's true. Makes you think. Yeah, that's funny that it that. <laughs> yeah, outside of like Sonic Drift, that is uh, Amy's next appearance, huh? Hmm. That's funny. Interesting. I wonder if chaotix means something. Like the word. I wonder if they if it has like a dec- a dictionary definition. Oh, I actually have the the dictionary definition right here. Do you want me to read it? Oh, yeah, actually, it'd be really helpful. Yeah, it says, um, thanks for tuning in. This has been Let's Talk About Sonic. You can find our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash ltasonic. You can also find our website at uh, ltasonic.card, card with two R's, dot co. I am Mitt. You can find me on Twitter, at Mario. I'm Crep. You can find me on Twitter at CrepyBlue. And we'll see all of you including all the countless Sonic Timeline purists and Sonic 2 fans, who I'm sure we made angry this episode, in the next zone.